Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Monday, September 21st, 2020. I hope you all had a great weekend. I hope you've enjoyed the hockey and hope you enjoyed the football. All of it coming together in one roof, which shows that 2020 continues to be very, very weird. My name is Danny Webster, and I appreciate you stopping by for today's episode in which we continue our off-season coverage of the Vegas Golden Knights. Last week we kind of talked about the areas of need that the Golden Knights will need to address heading into free agency. Today we are going to talk about probably the biggest fish on the market in terms of free agency, and that would be one Alex Petrangelo, the curious case of Alex Petrangelo and how the Golden Knights fit in to that curious case. We will also be discussing what this realm of free agency will look like, given the fact that there will be teams who need to pay their young players a boatload of money. How will they go about it? We'll discuss that in a little bit. But first, we start with the big fish. Alex Petrangelo, the St. Louis Blues captain, is an unrestricted free agent and could command up to probably more than $8 million a year and a long-term deal, which could go to seven years. Petrangelo told Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic that he and the Blues will move forward with testing free agency. Darren Dreger said on the radio the other day that the two teams that could be at the very top of Petrangelo's wish list, his hometown Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, and the Vegas Golden Knights. To kind of give you a refresher of where we are in cap in cap world to this point, Vegas, $4.9 million in cap space. Toronto, $6.1 million. So, also another reminder, teams can go over the cap by 10% during the offseason, which of course means if they do, they will need to adjust their salaries accordingly. It's probably something that I should have mentioned during all my conversations last week. Problem is, is that you forget that that's the case because it's been a very long time since we've had an offseason. You forget that that rule is in effect, but teams can indeed go over 10% of the salary cap should they choose to. Both teams, the Golden Knights and the Maple Leafs, are short on space. Both will eventually need to make moves to get the desired space to add in Petrangelo to their blue line. Now, even though if you say if you were to sign Petrangelo to eight and a half, nine million dollars, in the case of the Golden Knights, they would still need to shed about five million in cap space, which right now seems like it could be done. But at the same time, it, it seems very difficult to do because what teams are going to take a Jonathan Marchessault for a salary dump? Which teams are going to take Paul Stasny for just a salary dump? Which teams are going to take a Marc-Andre Fleury for just a salary dump? Likely any move that the Golden Knights make between now and even beyond October 9th, they are going to have to be made with the mindset that 
they will need to shed more space and probably bring some back at the same time. Should the Golden Knights get in the running for Alex Petrangelo? Elliot Friedman said on his 31 Thoughts podcast the other day that the Golden Knights are indeed interested. There, there are rumblings that the Golden Knights are heavily interested in Alex Petrangelo. The interest thing that caught my ear when listening to Elliot discuss just the Vegas situation in general, because he touched on Robin Leonard, he touched on Flurry, and how there might not be a buyout, more so a trade involved with Mark Andre Flurry. The one thing that caught my ear the most, and I'm kind of surprised that it did because we haven't heard his name come up in any Golden Knights rumors, really. We haven't really penned him to the Golden Knights to this point, but it could be a possibility. If it's not Alex Petrangelo that the Golden Knights end up getting in free agency, Tory Krug could be a solid 1B, the offensive star defenseman for the Boston Bruins, who essentially confirmed that he will not be returning to the team next year, or at least he will be looking at free agency himself. Tory Krug could be an option. And again, that's not a name that I've heard to this point. I don't think it's a name that any of us have heard when it comes to free agency. I think everybody was set on Petrangelo, and if it wasn't Petrangelo, then you hope for the very best. But it does, but according to Friedman, it does look like that the Golden Knights are at least going to put their ear to the wall on not just Alex Petrangelo, but Tori Krug as well. Friedman said that the Golden Knights want to make changes. And they were, and he pointed to the aggressiveness of this franchise, this three-year-old franchise that has been aggressive from the onset. The aggressiveness of one Kelly McCrimmon, the aggressiveness of one Bill Foley, the owner. And it really, it, it makes sense because as we touched on last week, the Golden Knights have not been big spenders in free agency. Up to this point, through two off-seasons, they have not been big spenders. They, they spent the majority of their cap on getting a guy like Paul Stasny. They spent their cap extending Ryan Reeves. They went and signed Nick Holden. They had to dump Eric Hollow. They had to dump Colin Miller. They had to dump Nikita Gusev in order to stay cap compliant, even after signing William Carlson to his eight-year deal. So it's not like the Golden Knights have been really busy on that front. If they want to move guys, they're going to have good players to move. The question, as I mentioned earlier, what do you do in terms of of a return? Because for as good as Marcia Sol is, for as good as, say, a Riley Smith, for as good as, say, a Paul Stasny, for as good as a Braden McNabb is, the Golden Knights are not likely going to get just, again, they're not going to get a salary dump with any of these players that they're trying to move. They're going to have to bring in something back, especially for Flurry, which is why I've thrown the idea multiple times now about Carolina. When you can take Flurry, take his entire $7 million, you don't need to retain salary because you can take back one of Mrazek or Reimer that fills in the 50% that you would have essentially taken if you were to retain his salary, which, again, Reimer and Mrazek are on pretty hefty contracts for backups, but at the same time, they're also close to expiring deals. I think Mrazek has two years left on his deal and Reimer has one year left on his deal. So it's not like it's the complete end-all, be-all if you were to look at, say, Calgary, or Calgary, if you were to look at, say, Carolina, if you wanted to send Marc-Andre Fleury that way. But that's where the dominoes start. It starts with Marc-Andre Fleury, 
And it also starts with going 10% over the cap in the offseason until they decide to play whenever that may be. No matter what they do with Flurry, whether it's a buyout or a trade, again, they're going to need to retain something. And, you know, if if anything, if you wanted to really retain salary and just keep like the 50% and bite the bullet for $3.5 million for the next two years, you could do that and hope you get a goalie on the cheap that can make up for, say, the extra $2 million or maybe $3 million that would come and say of having a quote-unquote Marc-Andre Fleury as your backup to Robin Leonard. Who, by the way, Elliot Friedman also said that he believes, he firmly believes that there is a five by five deal waiting for Robin Leonard to re sign with the Golden Knights. So, pretty much, if you're looking to add a Petrangelo, if you're looking to add a Krug, you're going to need to move on from a defenseman, at least to this extent, either Nate Schmidt or Braden McNabb. Likely the latter. I still think Braden McNabb is a solid trade ship. Because you are very comfortable if you're Pete DeBoer, if you're Kelly McCrimmon, that Zach Whitecloud can ascend to a top four role next year and be a solid two-way defenseman. After all of that, do you have the leeway for a Petrangelo or even a Krug? I personally think, and again, this is why I'm not a GM, I think Vegas should go for it. I think Vegas should absolutely put themselves in the ring because they haven't had the opportunity before. They didn't have the opportunity for Eric Carlson, which I think if Carlson did go into free agency that year and if he had not been re-signed by San Jose with a week before July 1, I think he would have absolutely been a target Vegas would have gone after. I think that Vegas should be in the running for these top free agents because now is the time to really put to work if this is a destination players want to go to, if this is a team that players want to play for. Again, they haven't been active. This hasn't really been a situation where they've gone into free agency, made their pitch, and done what they need to do. When they traded for Max Pacioretty, they had the $7 million extension waiting right on the table when they acquired him. So that was easy. Mark Stone, they acquired him, and they, and they gave him the $9.5 million cap hit. When it comes to Petrangelo, when it comes to maybe a Krug, the Golden Knights have not yet been in a position where they've gone to the big free agents on the market and said, hey, here's why you should come play with us. And on ice, the Golden Knights have the perfect pedigree. They've been to the playoffs three times. They've been to the conference final twice in three years. But now is the time to pitch the destination of where you're playing and to pitch the idea that they can be on a contender to win a Stanley Cup next year. This is really for the first time we're going to see how the benefit of being a desirable destination with no state income tax and playing for a contender, how it all plays out for the Golden Knights. And Petrangelo fits immediately right in. He's a right shot defenseman, something that the Golden Knights have not had really before. And it could be a game changer given how good he is in the offensive side. It's going to be very interesting between now and October 9th and even the days that follow it to see what Kelly McCrimmon, what George McPhee, what Bill Foley can put together. And if you can get a couple of moves done and see what you can get for either defenseman, you haven't met, you haven't had a chance to sit at the big table in free agency before. I'd say now it's worth exploring. Coming up in a little bit, We will be discussing how free agency is going to look for a few teams and how the Golden Knights can get involved 
in those teams' pursuits of their own free agents. And as a reminder, friends, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. If you would like to send an email for future mailbag questions, you can do so to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. And again, I appreciate you hanging out with me this late evening, early morning, whichever way you want to slice it. So the Golden Knights are one of these many teams that's going to have to move players before free agency starts. No matter how they slice it, whether they get a Petrangelo, whether they get a Krug, whether they do in fact re-sign Robin Leonard to a long-term deal, the Golden Knights are going to have to make some moves to make things happen. This really is is a beauty and it's a curse. As a hockey fan and as a reporter in regards to the flat salary cap with no wiggle room there are teams that are going to have to make some moves to accommodate some big contracts that they have to give out to their top young players. And in ways, this could help the Golden Knights because if these teams want to send some assets back, they won't be difference makers. But you think if you're Vegas, you might be able to get these teams on the phone and at least open the dialogue, which could work out well for Vegas because they might be a team that may want to take a Jonathan Marchessault off their hands. Maybe it's a team that might want to take a Riley Smith. Maybe it's a team that might want to take, you know, a Paul Stasny or a Braden McNabb or even a Nate Schmidt or whoever it may be. The Golden Knights now are in a position to where where they are in the cap and where they want to go as a team and how they want to format their team under Pete DeBoer. They have a lot of correlating options that they can go with. The first team I looked at when looking at this whole thing was the Columbus Blue Jackets. They have $7 million in cap space. They shouldn't have been a playoff team this year. They exceeded all the expectations. They have their goalie tandem set up for the immediate future, which by the way, if you go to cap, if you haven't been cap friendly lately, you will be shocked when you scroll down on the Columbus Blue Jackets page and see that Elvis Merzlikens is making more money than Eunice Corpusalo, which I mean, to be fair, he earned that contract while Corpusala was hurt. But I mean, still, at the same time, you have Elvis Merzlikens making more money than Eunice Corpusalo for at least the next couple of years. So your goalie tandem for right now, if you're Columbus, you're sitting pretty good at where you're at. But with $7 million, and again, we have to keep in mind, they can go $10 million over the cap, but they have to find a way to pay Pierre-Luc Dubois and they have to give new contracts to their defensemen, Gabe Carlson and Vladislav Gavrikov. Now, talking with some colleagues today, one name that was floated out as a possible trade ship that, Vegas, that maybe Vegas could look at is Josh Anderson, who is also a restricted free agent. If the Golden Knights really wanted to, they could trade for him, have his rights for a year, command the salary, and you know, for how injured how injured he was last year, if the Golden Knights really want to do like a one-year prove-it deal, to which I believe Anderson would be a UFA by next season, by the season after next, then at that point you're like, well, maybe we can try and fit Anderson into a decent multi-year deal after maybe year one because you don't want to commit that much, that kind of money in that kind of term to a guy who is a very capable 25-30 goal scorer but he hasn't been around long enough and he hasn't been on the ice healthy enough or long enough this year to even warrant that. So you got to find the money to pay to pay Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I think, and, and I'm going to mention this with other restricted free agents as well. If you have the resources to go out and put an offer sheet to one of these guys, I would say do it and put the pressure 
on these teams to either match or give you the draft pick compensation or to match and give you the draft pick compensation or to let them go and take the compensation. Or I, I should probably, I probably have that backwards. You should probably force the teams to either match or give you the draft pick compensation. That's more of what I was going for. Dubois is probably going to command, if I had to guess, between seven and $8 million, maybe even a little bit more. And then again, you also have to pay Carlson and Gavrikov. So Columbus has some wiggle room. But if I'm a team that is in need of some guys who could possibly help me, like a Vegas, and if I'm a team like Columbus who needs to get rid of some contracts in order to put themselves in a much easier position to either match or give Dubois the money he wants... If I'm the Golden Knights, maybe Columbus is a team that I look at. Maybe someone like a Riley Nash who is on an expiring deal and is making close to $3 million in his expiring contract. He could be a very solid net front guy on a, on a line with Alex Tuck, and you can put him at center or the wing. I think that that would be a solid thing to look at, especially on an expiring deal. Also, highly unlikely, but if Boone Jenner is available by any chance, I think the Golden Knights should give a call about Boone Jenner because I think Boone Jenner is the folk hero of America that the Golden Knights need. And I think Boone Jenner would be a great addition to that team. But highly unlikely he's he's unavailable. He's one of the veterans that's going to help this core get better as they go on. But if I'm the Golden Knights, I would I would look at Columbus and say, hey, I think everything is on the table. Do you want to make a deal or not? And I mean, if, if, they, if Columbus turned around and said, hey, we'll give you Seth Jones for William Carlson, I don't think they would bat an eye either. That's that's not going to happen, by the way. But just just keep in mind, Columbus might have something that Vegas could possibly benefit from. Another team I would look at, and I and I put them as a category because I think that they there might be something worth exploring. But at the end of the day, I don't think the New York Islanders really have anything that Vegas would want in return, because the Islanders also hovering around middle of the pack cap space. They've got to find the money to pay Matt Barzal, and then they got to also pay Ryan Pulock as well. The only difference, as I mentioned, the Golden Knights wouldn't really want to take a t- take a player back in retention. If you're trading away one player, you're basically offsetting who you're getting back in terms of the cap because the Islanders have pretty much gone all in with their top guys. No one's going to commit $7 million for the next few years for Anders Lee. No one's going to commit $6 million for the next few years for Brock Nelson. At least I don't see it that way. But if I'm the Golden Knights, if I feel like there is a way that you can help the Islanders as well as help yourself, it might not hurt getting on the phone and seeing what you can get, whether it be four draft picks or whether you ship out, you know, Marshall for for Nelson or whatever the case may be, there might be options there. I just personally don't see the options as it pertains to the Islanders. Maybe even the Tampa Bay Lightning might be a team that could get some contracts off the books. They have to pay Anthony Sorelli. They also have to pay uh, Mikhail Sergachev. So could Vegas get involved for maybe something for Blake Coleman? Do you try and go after Kevin Shattenkirk? Or do you try and trade the rights for Shattenkirk, even though he's a UFA? Do you try and get his rights and try and get him a deal knowing that you might be out of the Petrangelo and Krug sweepstakes. Does Vegas try a small deal for Shattenkirk, also a right shot D, who, when healthy, is a pretty solid offensive defenseman? So I I would say those are some things to keep in mind 
as we get closer to free agency. I think the trade market really is going to be very fun once teams start figuring out that right now is the time to trade. I think now should be the time where teams look at each other and go, okay, well, maybe we should start trading now just to make sure we're at least somewhat relieved of salary cap hell before we have to make any more moves beyond October 9th. And then all of a sudden we are here sitting, you know, not really pretty because we missed out on a big opportunity. And again, this might be the best time for the Golden Knights, given the flat cap and how how wide the cup window is open right now. This is an opportunity for the Golden Knights to really be active in free agency where they haven't been before, really active in the trade market to where they haven't been before. If there was a time for this to happen, it should be right now. And if they can get enough under the cap and if they can get enough to where they can get another couple of pieces here and there, then I say more power to you. Go ahead and try and make it happen if you're Vegas. Because again, you haven't had a seat at the big table before. You've got to see the big table now. Now let's see if you put the big table skills to good use. Coming up next, the Stanley Cup final is tied at a game apiece, which I think was kind of kind of shocking to think of back on Saturday. But here we are. Stanley Cup final game tied apiece. We'll talk more about Dallas and Tampa Bay coming up in just a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, a long-standing partner of the Lockdown Podcast Network, now back with a new look and a new feel. Built Bar has six new flavors ready for you to try. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those six new flavors will go great with their 12 originals, including coconut almond, mint brownie, salted caramel, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, are soft and easy to chew. They are great for the health-conscious person, and you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. If you act now by going to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you'll get $10 off your next order, and you'll also get a free cooler with your next purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's B-U-I-L-T Bar.com. So the Stanley Cup Final is in fact tied at a game apiece. The Tampa Bay Lightning got the rebound victory tonight over the Dallas Stars 3-2. Dallas scored twice in the second and third period to make it very close and very interesting. But at the end of the day, it is the Tampa Bay Lightning pulling even with Dallas 1-1 Game three is on Wednesday night. So it pretty much is official. There will be a back-to-back in the Stanley Cup final, which is just, to me, the most absurd thing one person could have while watching the Cup final. There will be a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday, which means if one of these teams takes a 3-1 lead, Oh, the pressure is on on Saturday when you got to go back to back. You imagine if Dallas wins these next two and goes into game five the following day, literally 24 hours, le- literally 24 hours less than the last time they played. And here come the Dallas Stars with a 3-1 lead, ready to win the Stanley Cup, which by the way, I'm not sure how I feel about the Stanley Cup being perched on a... Uh, on a very high-rise uh, platform. It just didn't look right to me. I'll just, I'll just leave it in that. 
But the Stars did make a game out of this. Tampa Bay went up 3-0 in the first period. They scored twice on the power play. Shattenkirk added another goal to make it 3-0. Dallas continued to plug away. Once uh, Kudobin allowed those three goals, he settled in, played very well, kept Dallas in it. Uh, was it a Klingberg to Yanmark made it three to two Pavelski, I think got the tip in the second period to get them on the board, but John Klingberg with a heck of a pass to Matias Yanmark for the goal to make it three to two. But unfortunately the stars could not get the job done. They lose three to two, but the good news is if you're a stars fan, you did get game one. And to me, if you get game one in this type of neutral series against that team, I would say you're in you're in pretty good shape knowing that you were the more physical team on this night, given the fact how many times they beat up Nikita Kucherov. I would say right now the Dallas stars are in good shape to be tied at one, but we'll see how that goes going forward. Some awards were given out today as well. uh, As far as the wrap up for the awards show, I guess. I mean, it really wasn't an award to show the NHL awards wrapped up today with the Norris Trophy going to Predators defenseman Roman Yossi, Shea Theodore actually got a sick, actually got a fifth place vote for sixth place in the Norris voting. That can mean he's only going up from there. Uh, the Vesna went to Jets goalie Connor Hellebuck in a not surprising move. Again, I don't have a ballot um, because of my affiliation with NHL.com, so basically all the voting goes to the PHWA. But I did have uh, Hellebuck as my Vesna winner. And uh, I also had, I think I picked John Carlson because I had Carlson well before the pause. And I think that's kind of where I stuck with it. But Roman Yossi absolutely deserves it. The Calder, surprisingly enough, and as close as it was, went to Avalanche defenseman Kale McCarr. I was actually very shocked that it was not Quinn Hughes, but it was Kale McCarr winning the Calder Trophy. And then the Hart Trophy to... I mean, to the surprise, I think, of a few people, because the more I saw people post their ballots on Twitter, the more I saw the names Panarin or McKinnon, but it was Leon Dreisaitl who won the league MVP this year with his outstanding 100-plus point season, and really, he was on pace to eclipse every single record that Connor McDavid had held in all his advancements to winning the heart. So, And he also won the the Ted Lindsay award for the MVP given to the player to the best player voted by the players. So there is that as well. And I believe Robin Leonard received a fifth place vote or he received one second place vote or whatever case it was uh, for the Vesna. So there you go. And no golden Knights placed in the heart trophy race. So those complete the awards section for this year if we, God forbid, have to do this again, I would highly suggest just give the awards out before the playoffs start because it makes no sense to have so many uh, teams who have been eliminated to this point have to sit through a Stanley Cup final and have to watch all these awards get handed out. And and I think the Jack Adams was a clear example of that. I think the, uh, the Vesna was a clear example of that. Just... Do it at the beginning of the playoffs if that's what you're going to do. I think the NBA had done it right. I don't understand why they need to have an awards show now. The NHL awards are a great thing, but really, if it's going to come down to this kind of situation again, best to stick with the uh, 
just best to stick with giving them out before the season starts. And that's my prerogative on that. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude today's episode. Thank you for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing. All that jazz is greatly appreciated. Once again, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK, you can do so. You can also follow me at DannyWebster21. Send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com if you'd like to do that as well for future mailbags. And that will wrap it up for me. So thank you guys for listening. Tomorrow we will discuss more Golden Knights offseason stuff. And... We'll figure it out from there. I think right now, just see what we can throw at the wall and see if it sticks. It sounds good to me. So until then, everybody, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Have a good night, a good day, whichever time it is you were listening to this. But have a good one nonetheless.